Hey, welcome to the Fanboy Strike Back Weekly Review Podcast, episode 33. We read comics every week. One of us will write a review of what we thought is the best comics on our site, fanboystrikeback.com. And then we'll come here and we're going to talk about all those books of the week. We talk about everything in these books. There are going to be spoilers. So you don't want to be spoiled. Uh, pause. Come back. Listen later. And, you know, we try to help people out. And we're trying to expand the comic community. So this week we're also going to give you our top five picks for books or stories that we would recommend to people who don't read comics. And then Eric is going to give you a little review of the new, what was it, the Killing Joke Deluxe Edition? Yeah, uh, Deluxe Edition, nice uh, hardback edition. So I'll uh, be filling you in on what's what's new with that. Nice. All right. And Eric also had the pick for the book of the week this week, and I was very pleasantly surprised to see what you chose. Really? I, yeah, I mean, I'm back on board with this book now. I picked Ultimate Spider-Man 120, by the way. Um there was there was some plus and minuses. It definitely wasn't a perfect book, but mm-hmm. it was definitely the book that I enjoyed most. And especially, usually when I read comics, I more often than not when I get like a gut reaction motion, usually it's a very dramatic moment or something, or I'm like whoa, or you know, just kind of left with some kind of emotional feeling. But very, not very often, I guess, do I actually laugh out loud. And mm-hmm. I, and you know, a comic book, you know, it's comic. But, uh, you know, I, I, I really appreciate it when a comic can actually do that. And especially for the books I read, you know, a bit more mature books, uh, I, I like when something just kind of comes out of the blue or anything like that. And especially with Ultimate Spider-Man, Bendis writes this in a way to where the dialogue, I mean, and this is every book that he writes, but the dialogue flows very naturally. But it's almost as if, like, I can hear Peter's voice as he's saying it. Like, the, the inflection yeah. is just in my head already. And... Um, I'm really enjoying the Amazing Friends storyline so far because, you know, not being a huge Marvel fanboy, but I, I even watched that as a kid. Mm-hmm. And um, the only the downside about this, there was a lot of, at least through the first half of this book, a, it was a lot more mutant focused than it was Spider Man focused, which is fine. You know, it's it's a it's a short story, and the fact that uh, what's her name, Liz. Liz, yeah. yeah, that she's a mutant, that's how her powers are manifesting, then that makes sense. But I really love the characterization of Bobby Drake. He's he's fantastic. It wasn't in this book, but in the last issue, too, when he's, like, he turns to Spider-Man, it's like, I saw her naked. <laughs> you know, there, there's moments like that when I just, I love the, you know, the, the characterizations of this book. And... Like I said in my review, I thought there was a little bit too much of, you know, your father, who's your father, do you know who your father is? It just, it reeked a little too much of Empire for me. But my favorite part at the end was when Peter shows up and he reveals his identity to Liz. And I thought that was a very big moment for for Peter. And I like that 
she I loved her reaction because, you know, apparently in, in the Ultimate Universe Spider Man has been around for a while and she's like, It was you the whole time? And he's like, Yeah. Yeah. He's like, you know, you have to realize that your life can go on after this. You know, I I have a normal life too. It's it's not the end of everything. And so I really enjoyed that. And the fact that he was willing to, to share his biggest secret and he's like, It's it's gonna be scary, but there's people who can help you with this. And then once she leaves, of course, him and Mary Jane are sitting there, and he kind of looks over, so you want to make out? And I, I laughed. I loved that line, because I used to use that, actually, with my high school <laughs> And uh, Yeah, she's like, go make out with the supervillain. He's like, well, maybe I will. Maybe I will. I love that. That was, like, that just made the whole book for me. But it was good. I was surprised to find out who her father actually was. Yeah, that was weird. Their father is the Blob, which yeah. which doesn't make sense because they said her father's name was Frank. Is that his real name? The his real name's Fred, but oh, uh, I'm I'm just showing my X Men fan fanboyness right now. David, but uh, I don't David know. He, he could be he could be Frank in the Ultimate Universe. But yeah, it was kind of it was kind of a letdown to, because the whole thing was about who her father was, and so you're kind of thinking about that and. It was interesting to find out that she was a Blob's daughter, but it wasn't really a huge reveal. And I guess, you know, it wasn't really meant to be. I think, like you said, I think it was just kind of brought up a little bit too much in the beginning. Yeah, and yeah, it wasn't a big payoff, but again, it's not entirely her story, and her story right. can be, you know, talked about more later. But for just like an all-out fun comic book that just kind of lets me enjoy myself mostly when I read it, I I love Ultimate Spider-Man. I think it's a, probably it in the way that like Batman the animated series was probably the most definitive version of the character. Mm-hmm. I very much feel that Ultimate Spider-Man is kind of the definitive version of Peter Parker. Yeah, well, especially after Brand New Day, this this is Peter Parker. Right, but but you're also but even uh... out of the continuity and, and the you know the change through the eras and everything. You've compacted everything into the everything into one. Yeah, yeah, that that makes sense. I just, um, I just kind of wish Bendis would write Ultimate X Men again, <laughs> because, like you were saying, th- there was a lot of mutants in this, and there was a lot of X Men, but it was actually good, and it just made me wish that he was writing that again. You know, I would love so. him just to write a Magneto book because he was yeah, that's probably that's the most fascinating character in this whole book. And the thing is, like, he does have that silvery tongue where he. He's, Doesn't he? he you're I mean, kind of rooting for him. I, you're I, kind I of like he's right. It's like, well, God, if I was in that situation, I'd might, I'd probably be <laughs> like the way because he's he's being the middleman. He's like, here's what I should, I think you should do, but I'm gonna leave the choice up to you. Yeah, and you're like, why would he do that? What, what? Oh no, no, hold on, hold on. He doesn't seem like the bad guy until like Bobby shows me. He's like, don't trust him. Don't trust. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed that too, but like he does, like he just he's you know like the devil, and he's just kind of baiting you and tempting you. But I did really enjoy it at the end how when he was talking to the X Men, he's like, she'll make her choice. She'll come to me just like you did, Scott. Uh-huh. Just kind of just, just a little ribbing, you know. I mean, he's. He's good. Like I would love a Magneto book. Um, just like what, there was one book did you pick a, a couple of weeks ago that you picked it just for two panels alone? Oh, I was I talking about uh, the Avengers uh, Initiative. Yeah, um, I this book made it up for me, and just the panel where they Bobby and Peter stuck to the wall from uh, stuff that Magneto threw at them. And Peter's like, how are we going to get out of this? And Bobby's like, dude, 
is magnetized and then Peter's like, what does that mean? And all of a sudden you see Magneto leave and the effect goes away and then they both fall. That was good. I, that was priceless. He's like, wait for it. <laughs> <laughs> like what? And they just start falling. That was really good. I, I, I yeah. The, I mean, the amazing friend concept, I think could be explored even further because I love the, just them, the, the two boys, especially, you know, it was a lot of fun to read. And then, you know, I sorry, naked. <laughs> when he's like, "Well, quit looking at me." It's like, "What? You're I've spent my whole life trying to see naked girls." So, it, it was funny. Yeah, it's great. I mean, Ultimate Spider-Man is it's kind of one of those books. I mean, we talk a lot about Captain America because it's Captain America and it's going the, up and up, but yeah. Ultimate Spider-Man is another one of those books like Green Lantern that is so well done all the time that like you don't, you don't really talk about it you don't really notice it because it's just consistently good so um let's talk about some scrolls because uh secret invasion starts next month yeah it's here the uh the infiltration storyline is kicking off and I, I am confused what, what are you confused about okay well here's some spoiler in uh yeah this this is yeah there's it, gonna be some spoilers here. In, in new avengers uh, what's her name? Echo. Echo. She goes to see Daredevil, and mm-hmm. before that, her and Logan have a really good conversation about who's acting different, and that they acknowledging that they have a past, which is good because I got filled in on a little backstory there. But she goes to see Daredevil, who apparently she also has background with. Yeah. And he turns out to be a scroll. Mm-hmm. And so, is this the same Daredevil that has been running around in the Daredevil books, or is this one that's? Because I can already see, like, with this storyline, that I'm in for a world of hurt, because I'm right. not good with what's going on in every single Marvel book. So, okay. is this... I got the impression right? that this, the, the whole issue was just that this scroll wanted to become Echo, so the scroll was just posing as Daredevil to bait her in. Okay. So that this scroll has not been posing as Matt Murdock. Okay, that makes sense. I did like how they turned into Wolverine and she, the scroll used the Cyclops blast on Wolverine and just pretty much took yeah. the whole upper half off. But uh, there was a lot of action. There was some really good action in this issue. Yeah, and I, and I do like, um, I don't know, like I don't want to play up Echo's disability, but I think it's it's cool. Like I, I, I'm proud to see that that's happening. I think it's very progressive because she's deaf. And there's a point where the scroll has Nightcrawler's powers and is teleporting away. And Logan's trying to warn her, but she's looking for the scroll, and she can't hear him. And he kind of realizes it, and it kind of creates this this little tension moment. And like, it's, I don't know, I didn't think it was too forced, but like, it's it's important to know that that's that that's her thing, you know, that that's something special about her. So I thought that was really cool. I thought the ending was really weird, though, because all of a sudden she she's talking to Hawkeye, and I really like the conversation that they have. Because she's talking basically to Hawkeye about how she feels weird being an Avenger. And how the Avengers now, they're not the good old Avengers that they used to be. And she's kind of just like bringing herself down a level. And Hawkeye's like, well, you know, when I was on the Avengers, they were always looking back to the glory days too. And I just thought the same thing, that I wasn't doing anything special. But, you know, that's the moment that you're in. It's that moment there where things are happening, you don't realize it. And I thought that, that was really cool. And then they go have sex. And I was like, that was a, a bit odd. Well, he's Hawkeye. He's he's the man. That's what he does. But, uh, no, it was it was a little quick. But 
Yeah, I could kind of see it. I mean, as far as I know his character, that's like something that he would do. Like he's gonna, he's kind of the man. Yeah. And they already had that awkward shower moment, so I like that they brought that up. <laughs> um, I'm gonna go out and say I like uh, Linnell Yu's art in this book better than I like David Max. Um, when was Linnell Yu? Y'all, you know what? See, Linnell Yu didn't do any art in this book, though. No, he didn't. But I mean, like previously, you know. Oh, the there's title. You like, mean I like before? Him. Yeah, I like him as as the artist for this book better than I like David Max. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I was gonna, I was actually gonna talk about the insert because the insert kind of confused me because they have the insert from Secret Invasion, and I didn't realize that that was separate than the story. I thought it was like cutting to a different. You know what I mean? I'm looking for it now. Maybe I didn't read or realize that either. Maybe it wasn't in the Avengers. I don't Maybe think it's. In... I don't think it's in this book. Maybe it was in Mighty Avengers then. Um. Yeah, I I agree with you. I. I don't know. I, I like David Max art a little bit, but especially for like the theme of New Avengers ever since it relaunches and they were supposed to be ever since it relaunched and they were like this underground team. Linnell Yu's art really fit that. Not only that, it's like that's what really made him a breakout hit all of a sudden. Like that's the first thing that I really you know saw of his and so it feels like it's his book, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Well, on to more, more scroll goodness, uh, Miss Marvel 25. At the very end of Miss Marvel number 24, we saw that Tony Stark found out that Carol was perhaps a scroll. And in Miss Marvel 25, we have two Carol Danvers running around, and we, we find out that a scroll has been impersonating her. So I think this kind of answers some questions and leaves more questions open because a big question about the secret evasion is like what happens to the normal heroes if there's a scroll around exactly. is, is that you know is that hero dead have they been captured but at this point there's two carols running around was well, this so, like, one when, in the process of replacing her like it was going to or, or they just haven't gotten around to it it looks like it, it's it's basically they didn't talk about the motives. Like they didn't tr- talk about like if they if it was trying to kill her. But like basically, when she's off on a mission, he's that scroll is impersonating her life. So if she's doing if she's out, out in the field, the scroll is like doing something in her personal life, and then vice versa. Um, and Carol finds this out because it looks like she, and this is it's getting a little bit confusing because. She runs into a scroll that has all of the X-Men powers, which was basically the same scroll that we saw in New Avengers, and that was also one of the scrolls that we saw in the Illuminati, because we saw that one of the scrolls was impersonating Colossus, and that's the same scroll that we see here. And they basically set her up to be captured by S.H.I.E.L.D. at the very end. So at the very end of the book, the, the real... Carol is set up to look like she's a scroll, which you know that could be just as bad for her as killing her because it's kind of one of those things where if you if you throw the heroes off the off the scent, all of a sudden they're you know arguing amongst each other, and they're not going to be paying attention to the real threat. So I don't know. I mean, I haven't picked up Miss Marvel 
like since or until uh, issue number twenty four. So I've only read two issues. It's been pretty good. Brian Reed's the writer, so it's, it's a little confusing because I haven't read anything else. But I mean, I'm gonna stick it out and see how it goes. It's been pretty good so far. Well, it seems like it's gonna have a lot of impact on what's gonna be happening in Secret Invasion. She seems kind of like a key character. Yeah, I think she's uh she's gonna have a big part in it. Okay. Uh, last book I want to talk about is Green Lantern number twenty nine. This is the first part of the Secret Origin. Mm-hmm. Uh, story. So basically it's a rewriting of Hal Jordan's origin, which since Emerald Dawn really kind of screwed up Hal Jordan's origin, it wasn't a really good basically what Emerald Dawn did back in uh, the 80s was they tried to redo Green Lantern's, or Hal Jordan's origin he was still the, the test pilot, but he was also, he had a drinking problem and they, they basically really tried to give him feet of clay and, yeah. and that directly led into, you know more believability of him as Parallax and, and things like that. And now that things are kind of reshaping themselves to show that he was very heroic and the par- or Parallax infected him, it's, things are a little different. So what this did is it gives us a more definitive take on the whole, you know, origin where not, not so much of him getting the ring, but his growing up and what his family life was like. And right. as I stated uh, last week or the week before, Whereas I really don't like happy, sappy uh, family stories, this isn't one, and I was much more interested in it. Yeah, it's real. And uh, there was there was bickering between the brothers, and the mother was, uh, there was a big division between him, Hal, and his mother because of what had happened to his father and what Hal wanted to do with his life. And I love the scene with Hal uh, camping out in front of the uh, yeah. Air Force, uh, recruitment office on his 18th birthday. I thought that was a really great moment. Uh, the artwork in this by Ivan Reese, awesome. Yeah, he's back. He's, he had a little little break, but he's uh, back. So, and you can just tell, like the the artwork in this is so much better. Uh, again, like I said before, still not really uh, towards the part where he gets the ring, but we also get a little bit of Abin Sir. And mm-hmm. where he's going with the uh, whole Blackest Night, how he finds out about it, which I just also picked up the DC. It's a trade paperback. It's the DC stories of Alan Moore, and it also has the story Alan Moore originally wrote with Avincer learning about uh, the the Great Cataclysm or the or the the Great Battle, and it talks about Sodom Yat as the the mightiest Green Lantern who who will fall. And things like that. So it was really actually informative. I was like, "Oh, hey, Alan Moore created Sodom yet?" So, oh, okay, yeah, it was it was really interesting. I was um, I was surprised by Avincer's story because he's basically torturing these people to get information about the Blackest Night. Yeah, they really kind of darkened him up a bit, and that's fine. <laughs> Excuse me, that's fine because we don't really we don't really know a whole lot about right. Avincer, so that's mm-hmm. pretty cool. And it also can makes more sense with how his son behaves you know just in that yeah. extreme angle so I, I liked it I thought it was a great book oh um, uh, yeah I thought it was it, it it did its job like so well that even though I, I've read some of the stuff already like you said you know it is a retelling of the origin but I I just had a feeling like I was reading this for the first time you know yeah it didn't feel boring at all and especially mm-hmm. since it's something we all know it's like I can read, you know, how Batman became Batman or how Spider-Man became Spider-Man and rarely does it feel new. 
because I right. know that story, but this really did feel new. It was fantastic. Yeah, Jeff Johns, man, his Green Lantern runs. It's incredible. I I so think it's going to drop off every week, and then every week it's like better and better and something different. And You know, I was a little... I, I was a little turned off because we had a really big cliffhanger on the last issue with Lyra turning into a Red Lantern, and they kind of just left that alone. But, I, you know, I know he's going to go back to it, so... Yeah, yeah. It'll probably be explored further in the core storyline, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, last book I just wanted to mention really quick was Mighty Avengers, which I'm not even going to ask if you picked it up, because I know you're not. I did not. Yeah, this book comes yeah. out, like, every week now, doesn't it? Well, they're trying to bring it back up to speed, which they've done. Because Bagley's on it, and he's put out... It's come out since he's done it, like, bi-weekly. And I don't know how that's happened, but... Yeah, they're trying to bring it back up to speed, and it's pretty much just happened. He's a, he's a hard worker. This this was the book that I was talking about. This has the insert in uh, of uh, Secret Evasion number one. And in the insert, it has Hank Pym, Reed Richards, and Tony Stark there analyzing uh, the Elektra scroll body. And Tony's basically telling them that it's indetectable, and we have to figure out what's going on. And then all of a sudden, Tony gets a call, and he has to leave right away. And that was all it was. It was just like a little tease, but it looks really good. Uh, Linnell Yu is doing the art on Secret Evasion, so we know the art's going to be great. Mighty Avengers was it was more of the same. It's finishing off the Doom story with um, them taking the fight down to Doom. And I just kind of want to talk about the end, because there's not much... There's not much story here. It was just a good... It was it was a great arc, but it was just kind of light on the story. The end, Sentry gets a little bit upset. They go at Doom, and Sentry destroys his armor, takes off his mask, and they arrest Doom. So, at the end of the story, uh, Victor Von Doom is in the custody of S.H.I.E.L.D. in America. Hmm. Which is something I've never seen before. And something that I know is a very big deal and is going to play out in the future. You think Doom is a scroll? I don't know. You know, the one thing I forgot to mention when I talked about Mighty Avengers last week is that Tony calls Victor out on that. Tony's like, are you working with them? Do you know what's going on? And Doom, I mean, to his credit, he looks like he has no idea what Tony's talking about. So, I don't know. I mean, Victor Von Doom is one of the most in formative people in the world, you would think that he would know, but, you know, the heroes don't know either. I just think that, I don't know, like, I'm, I was really excited about this end, like, the the whole concept of Doom being in S.H.I.E.L.D. custody is really interesting to me, and, like, Tony doesn't, it doesn't sit well with him about it, like, he just doesn't, he, he did what he accomplished, he went to Liberia to arrest Doom and to bring him back, and he did that. But he hasn't changed. Like, he doesn't feel like he's accomplished anything. So, I don't know. I just wanted to mention that ending really quick. And um, one one other little tidbit that happened is that they were held captive in Latveria. And Jessica Drew, Spider-Woman, she kind of, uh, she kind of exploded and got them out of this trap, which is something that she's never done before and something that apparently she's not supposed to be able to do 
So at the very end of the issue, Black Widow comes and talks to her, and he's like, she's like, you know, I read your file, and I've seen that you've never used your powers like that. And Jessica's like, well, that's the thing about my powers, is that they respond differently to different situations. And um, Natasha's like, well, no, it doesn't say that in your file either. And she's like, oh, well, I guess the files need to be updated. And then kind of leaves it there. So that's a pretty big indicator that she is actually a, a scroll. Hmm. I wonder how long... Well, they reintroduced her in when New Avengers started over, didn't they? They like, reintroduced her when New Avengers started over, and so that's, and that's, that's where the seeds have been uh, starting. Dropping hints. Where was she before that? Because, you know, she's an old character, but did they explain Just, where she was? Jessica Drew. Um, they... She's she was a agent of Hydra. That's what they're t- saying. So that she's been a double agent for Shield and Hydra since then. Mm-hmm. And so she was working for Nick Fury as a double agent for Hydra. And that's the, the that's a big thing. It's like where is Fury? Which we're gonna see in Secret Evasion, but he's gonna play a huge role. Yeah, he'll be back. So, well, cool. Uh, yeah, next week it's gonna be a big week for you, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> it's gonna be fun. Okay, so with that, uh, we're going to get on with our top five here of uh, comics that uh, we typically give to people who had never picked up a comic before. And this is, I don't know, I've tried this a few times. Uh, typically, uh, whoever I'm usually dating, you know, I, they, yeah. they might even ask questions. And they'll be like, well, you know, I, you have a lot of comics, you know, well, <laughs> what is it that you like about them? And, and I say, you know, well, you go to the movies, you enjoy this kind of movie and this kind of movie and this kind of movie, and it's just like that. It's just reading right. a book like that. And if you like these types of stories, you might want to try reading something like this. And, you know, sometimes they'll read something, sometimes they won't. But um, I, I do have a top five here for, for things that I think are definitely uh, not just uh, in, impactful, but uh, really show off the medium. And so at number five, I picked the Absolute Kingdom Come. That's a good one. And this has some ups and downs. Uh, the downside of it is there are a lot of characters, yes, and it can be it can be very daunting for someone who is a new comics fan, or, or not even a comics fan, but someone coming right into the story brand new. But on the mm-hmm. same hand, the story is essentially a Superman and humanity story. And if you know the basic archetypes of who Superman is, who Batman is, and who Wonder Woman is, you will... Which most people do. Yeah, exactly. Those those three are, are pop culture-owned characters. So, I mean, most people know those stories. But as long as you know who they are and kind of their, the way they work, you will, you will get through this story just fine. The rest of it is just, you know, you can go along with it just fine. You know, the and, only thing about uh, um, oh, go ahead. Kingdom Come is that I think the one thing that would be hard is that it's an Elseworlds tale, and so that would be confusing. Well, I but think the that biggest would... strength of Kingdom Come would be Alex Ross's art. I mean, people look at comics as being, you know, like kitty books, and you show them... You know, I'm not a huge fan of Alex Ross as, uh, in terms of what he says, but the man... Have the man some paint. beautiful art, you know. And honestly, like I think, yeah, you know, I think this is probably his best work. This and, and Marvels, but I think those two really stand out as his, him in his prime. And I think actually, I'll I'll disagree with you. I think this story actually works better for new readers as an Elseworlds tale 
because it's contained. Like you, that's true. it being an Elseworlds world story, even though it has backstory in flashbacks, it's it's fine because what what you need to know is told. There's no back continuity that it relies upon. There's no cliffhanger that you have to go out and pick up more issues to find out what happens. It's it's a nice book ended story, mm-hmm. and especially the the absolute edition, uh, which you can get fairly cheap on Amazon. Uh, it's just absolutely gorgeous. It's all oversized. There's great commentary in the back, and you can kind of see. There's a great intro to the story as well, which really shows why these characters are so meaningful, and especially yeah. Superman, and how and his context in both people with, with people probably several generations older than us and our generation, and what that's what that means with him and our society. And it's just yeah. it's a great story. That's a good pick. That's a very good pick. Uh, my number five, five is also an absolute, and that would be absolute new frontier. That's a good one. That's another one. Yeah, uh, I was, you know, new frontier has good and bads too because new frontier is very hard to read, even if you're a dedicated comic fan. Um, it's probably very easy if you're a DC comic fan, but the the beginning is very very slow. Yeah. Well, but if you can make it halfway through. Not even halfway through. You are absolutely hooked because you see the progression of all of the characters. So by the end, it's it's definitely all worth it. Mm-hmm. See, I thought about this too, and it was a toss-up for me between this and Kingdom Come. The only downside I'll say about this is, uh, again, it, it is very hard for new readers. And where, why I said Kingdom Come is essentially a Superman story, and and it mainly revolves around him and his plight. This one has a lot of different groups, and it's it's very big and it's very broad. It's a very broad story. And there's the you know the challengers and the army uh, tale at the beginning on Dinosaur Island, mm-hmm. and I think for a new reader, they could get very easily off track with a, a lot of that. Yeah, I agree. I, I do agree. Um, but the only thing is that like this is I never knew the challengers before I read New Frontier. And I, so I've personally learned a lot about the DCU reading this book. And yes, I'm an experienced reader, and so that probably it was easier for me. But the big reason I wanted to pick New Frontier is just because of how historically accurate it is. Um, it definitely puts the mirror up to America through that time, which is a right. A and so it's a. Book. It's a good it's a good book to show someone to be like comic books have evolved from you know what you're thinking. So read this and come back to me and we can like New Frontier is a book that you can give someone, they can read it and then you guys can get back together and you can sit down and have a discussion about it. Like that's that's what something like New Frontier can do. Not every comic can do that. That's true. That's very good. I also think it would be very good like for parents and, and things like that who grew up maybe with more sober oh, yeah. stories and stopped reading years ago because this the the artwork while a bit cartoony is also very kind of old fashioned and I think mm-hmm. it fits that Silver Age look very well but it's a very uh, mature storyline and, and especially with it being set in that older time period I think an older audience you know especially of adults who've left the medium when they got older uh, if they picked it up, I think they'd really enjoy it. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, my number four pick is Ultimate Spider-Man. 
and I'm going to stick with volume one, and I believe there's a hardcover edition of this. Yeah, there's a huge And, and, and I, I, it collects a good span of the early portion of the series. Yeah, it's like one almost through 50. Yeah, yeah. And um, this is a book, I mean, just like I talked about it earlier, this book is just pure entertainment. And while the, the, the downside is where I talked about Green Lantern, how I've how, you know, a lot of characters I've read the origin. The only downside about this is it, it's an origin tale, but it goes way past that. And you oh, yeah. really get to see him evolve more as a character. It's like it's like the first Spider-Man movie, but drug out much, much more in-depth and much longer. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, that, I mean, people flocked to that movie. It made tons of money and spawned sequels. So I think, based on that popularity alone, I think a typical person would love reading this book because it is very much the same... It's probably, it well, not probably, it has even more heart than what you see in the movie, and, and there's a lot of love in this book for the character. And it's it's just uh, it's just so genuine. Like, it just feels so natural and so genuine. There's nothing contrived about it. Um, it's just a fantastic book, and it is a lot of fun. It's not it's not political. It's not foreboding or, or having any kind of ominous tones to it. And it's not making any kind of commentary. It's just a fun story for a, a lighthearted story. Definitely. You know, I'm not going to argue with that. Uh, my number four pick is X-Men Mutant Genesis. Um, this was the first story arc when they started the new X-Men title in 91 by Jim Lee. <laughs> Um, the reason why I'm picking this is that it's very, very hard to get into X-Men. And I know that there's a lot of people who would want to do it. I mean, the movies did that a lot. And I've, you know, I've, there's my future brother-in-law got into X-Men and he's asked me for books. And then some of his friends saw that he was getting into X-Men and asked me for books too. And this is one of the things I would give them because it's very simple and... I don't know, like, there's something about, obviously, that Jim, Jim Lee's art is very dynamic, and it's very engaging. You know, you see Jim Lee's art, and you're, you're automatically, you're going to be drawn to it, because it's very action-packed, and it's just, it's explosive, you know what I mean? It's just, you see it, and you, you want to look at that. Mm-hmm. And it was, it, it, you know, it dealt with Magneto, it kind of had a fresh slate, it had a great cast of, like, the new characters, and the basic, and... It was just a good story. Like, I don't know. I really liked the early 90s X-Men. I really liked the story. I would have really have liked to pick Age of Apocalypse because I think that's one of the best X-Men stories ever. But that's way, way too much to give to someone who didn't read comics. But I think Mutant Genesis is a perfect, perfect book to give someone who wants to know more about the X-Men. Yeah. I tried, I, I really kind of sat down and tried to pick an X-Men book too, but... I would have probably gone with God Loves, Man Kills. Yeah, that's, that would have been a good one. But just because it, it shows very much what the X-Men stand for, but there, there, there's so much history there. Um, my number three pick, uh, swinging, swinging for the Fences here, is The Dark Knight Returns. Ugh. And say what you will, but this book, it's, it's, it's a legend for a reason. And the thing about it is it's... Even though it was written in 1986, uh, very little of it, to me, feels dated. Um, 
even though it, I mean, Ronald Reagan is the president in it, but it still feels, it feels kind of 80s, but at the same time, the climate that he wrote that in is very much similar to the climate that we have now, and a lot of it was very foreboding with planes hitting skyscrapers and things like that. It was really odd, but it's just, this this book is very iconic, and, and this one, more probably more than anything, would dispel the myth that comics are for kids. Uh, it was, it's definitely something to wave up in front of people and say, you know, hey, we're not going to be ignored. Look at this. You know, this is, it's pulp fiction at its very, very finest. It's it's dark, and it, it is, it's very 19, not very, but it has hints of 1930s noir and pulp in it, but it's it's really just a, a, a damn good story. I, I don't know how to really describe it more than that. Yeah, I don't know. But I've it's never... it's seminal, and it's before Frank Miller went crazy. So I've never had interest in Dark Knight Returns. I don't know. You know, I I don't ever see Oscar films, and I see I think the Dark Knight Returns is the same. Like I hear about all these Oscar films and how great they are. I'm just like I don't want to see that. That's that's overhyped. I'm going against the man. And that's what the Dark Knight Returns is to me. I have it. It's, like Eric, Eric gave it to me. It's your English. And I, it's it's on my bookshelf, and I've never even tried it just because I am sick of hearing about it. All right. Well, you're gonna have to hear about it one more time because that's my number three I'm, pick. I'm sure one day I'll cave, and then I'll say that you were right. I was wrong. It's it's good. Uh, my number three is not out yet, but it is the Bendis Daredevil Omnibus. Ah. Um. Daredevil doesn't get a lot of, a lot of uh, credit, you know, and he's not a very popular character. And to his, that works for him too because he's kind of the street character in Marvel. And uh, the only thing I can say about this book is like I've never seen the total like deconstruction of a character than in the story. Like you see everything about Matt Murdock. You see this man lose everything that he has and you like you see how he deals with that and he basically goes a little crazy and you don't really you don't really give him crap for that because most people would do the same thing in the situation and i don't know there's such a a feeling of desperation throughout this whole this whole story and it starts with bendis revealing his identity and like how is matt murdoch who's a lawyer how's he going to deal with that and it, you know, spoilers, it ends with him going to prison. And so it's, like, going from A to B with guest stars like Elektra, the Kingpin, and Bullseye. And it was amazing. I'd never read Daredevil ever until the movie came out, which was okay. But the movie came out, and there's a 25-cent special, and I've been reading every issue of Daredevil ever since. <laughs> And so, like, I would swear by this book, I would recommend it to anyone, and I cannot wait until this omnibus comes out. I'll probably have to pick that up, actually. Definitely. Oh, it's so good. So that's my number three pick. Uh, My number two pick is the Identity Crisis uh, hardback. Oh, are you serious? Yeah, nope. I can't condone that. That is garbage. Well, we'll do a point-counterpoint here, because... (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This this is my pick. You get your own. <laughs> uh, Identity Crisis, uh, very much like Kingdom Come, it suffers from a very wide cast, and it also suffers from not being it. It is a contained story, but it also relies 
on some knowledge of the past of the characters, which mostly gets filled in. You can read the book on its own, and I don't feel like yeah. I'm going to be missing anything right. uh, because it kind of sets the tone for how things were in the past and, and things like that. But I think this is a great book uh, in the same way that it deals... It takes comic book characters. It takes the, the most, I guess, the most common type of comic book character, which is a superhero, and it, it puts them in probably the most adult uh, type of situation or... It's basically a murder mystery story, and with very, very powerful themes and very powerful things happen in it. Um, one one thing is Regs Morales' art is just so expressive, and all these characters, like I, I am drawn into looking at all their faces because they yeah, that's, they are that's just a good, good point. incredibly expressive. Another thing is, I think for a lot of people who do think that comic books are kind of goofy. And especially superhero comics, who kind of have that silver agey, uh, there for kids type of feel about them. I think this goes into if if you put this up to them and said, "Here, read this," they can kind of understand that. Yeah, in the past, things were like that, but things have evolved since then. And these are the kind of stories that we're telling now. And just because superheroes were for kids, you know, thirty years ago, doesn't mean they're necessarily for kids. Now, or the, they're still for kids. Kids can still read them, but stories like this are also being told with these characters, and it's still perfectly viable. It's not like every Superman story has to be read by a four-year-old. Yeah, they've, they've evolved quite a bit. Yeah, and I think this is a very good example of that. And just the sheer amount of emotion. I talked earlier about how uh, most of the time when I'm dealing, when I'm reading the stories, and uh, something punches me in the gut. Usually, it's it's a very emotional reaction. Uh, this this book is full of them. Uh, when when this was coming out in single issues, I remember David, you picked up issue number five, which was the uh, the Father's Day issue, uh-huh. and you brought it home. And I hadn't got my books yet that that day. And you call me and you're like, "Come over to my house, borrow it. <laughs> you you need to read this." Yeah. And I took it home and I'm reading it. And my mom was trying to come in and talk to me, and I, I'm like, I, "I can't talk now. I can't talk now." <laughs> I was so into it. And I, I walked away. It, it, spoiler: It's uh, Tim Drake's father dies at the end, and I, I walk into the kitchen after that. And I'm like, "They killed him! They killed him!" <laughs> it's just like I didn't know what to do with it. So. It, it was, uh, and I saw that coming. I, I, I called it true. very early on. I think after the first or second issue, you're like, "I think he's got a target on him." But it, it has these moments that are just gripping, and I think if. You know, if you're a husband or a wife or a son or a daughter or a parent, uh, these threats feel very real. And you can very much understand the way these characters act and behave and the whole momentum of the story. And, uh, David, you don't like it because it doesn't have a big enough ending, right? Is that how you feel about it? Yeah, you know, I, I, I'm going to give you credit because you have convinced me that it it, it is a good book to give the people especially for the premise because the premise isn't about superheroes it's about their family and like people going after the family which i think is good i just wasn't i did not think it had a very fulfilling ending at all like that was my that's my nitpick with identity crisis and for a superhero book you know it is uncommon to not have a big huge battle especially with something that was billed with the, the title crisis in it even though this wasn't a typical crisis book um but at the same time, whereas you just said this is more about the families of superheroes, I think this ended on a very perfect note. It was very small, it was very personal, 
and it didn't leave with any kind of resolution because I don't think a story like this has to have some kind of resolution. It was a tragic story, and I don't think well, it you know what? a real big closure to it. I think this would actually... I think I was very disappointed, and that was a product of hype, and that wouldn't affect anyone else because we heard so long about how someone was going to die, and we saw all the superheroes at a funeral, and like they really hyped it up, and then it was about Gene and Sue, and I was like, well, I, it, it, me being more of a Marvel guy, I was like, I don't really care. Yeah, that's, you know? the, the thing is, they, they built it up so much as to someone in the Justice League is going to die, and then you found out it's mainly characters that, you know, you don't really know about. You, you have to go through reading this book, and, and you learn about them, and you get to know them by the end of the story, but at the same time, it's, you know, if you're picking up the first issue ready to be blown away by the death of someone major, it's not going to happen. You know, you're going to you're going to find a lot of secondary deaths and sprinkled throughout. But that does not take away from the punch of the story. It was it was very good. It was yeah. It was it's all right. I concede. All right. Uh, my number two is another absolute absolute Batman hush. Oh, look at you. You know. I'm not a huge Batman fan, um, but again, Jim Lee's art's very good. The one thing that I have to say about this that I didn't realize that Hush did until I read through it the second time is that if you've never read Batman before, Hush is a really good series to read because it has every single, pretty much the most of the major Batman villains, and it dissects them and like goes back and tells everything about the villain. Like, that introduces Killer Croc, and does a little, little bit of flashback, and tells about Killer Croc, and then Poison Ivy, and, like, it does that for all the characters, and then, you know, you have the big Jason Todd reveal, and even if you don't know a lot about Jason Todd, the next issue kind of explains that, and it's just a great, like, history of Batman, and, like, a, a little modern retelling, and, like, I've never, this is the only... 12 issue arc of Batman that I've ever read and I was this was like one of the first things that ha- that came out where like I wanted that next issue because it was it wasn't that hyped but the whole thing was like who is Hush what's going on and I was I was kind of confused at the end but it was so good and it's such a I don't know Jeff Loeb knows his characters and yeah I think That's he, just, he has a real gift for writing the Batman world. Yeah, he's he knows the characters just inside and out. And you're right, I, I agree. Even, even not just the villains, but even Batman's allies, and, and not their, just their characters, but his relationship to everybody. Yeah, the Batman family is, is really a main effect there. Yeah, and, and I mean, you, you learn a lot about all the key moments in his past, too, like... Uh, Barbara and what happened with her and and what happened with Jason and Dick Grayson's past and why you know how the, his relationship with Bruce and the, the tension that's been between the two of them and why they behave the way they do and and Tim Drake and his potential and you know and, and the acknowledgement that you know Tim Drake is probably going to be Batman someday right but it was fascinating it was it was the great greatest character study of all those characters ever, and you could read through it and be caught up and and just learn about that, that world. 
I think Jeff Loeb really kind of set the benchmark because we've seen a lot of things since that. I don't know. I think like the, I mean the twelve issue story arc, it, it, it that was dead. You know yeah. that didn't happen, and that really. I mean, you see that happening all the time. We're basically seeing a new version of that with Jeff Johns, who is very close friends with um, Jeff Loeb, but. Yeah, I mean, going for a whole year and being so committed to this book and wanting to know what's happening and then reading it all together in an absolute edition is, it's perfect. Yeah, it's it's a wonderful book. And it Jim Lee's artwork, I think, I'm not the biggest fan of his 90s artwork. It just seems very, very overly stylized with all the, uh-huh. the pouches and things like that. And it's it's good, but I think here it's toned down a bit. And I I love that. Like it to me, it, it felt much more, it much better right. at, at this point. So, yeah, it was it was fantastic. So, uh, my number one pick would be Why the Last Man, and probably just the, the really, first, yeah, wow, yeah. I, I I sat down and thought about it, and I was like, well, you know, super superheroes aren't for everybody, right? And That's so, true. What could you give someone? You know, who scoffs at the idea of superheroes but would still be into a comic book. And and reversely, what could you give, you know, people who are really into superheroes and, and have it not be a superhero comic? And I had to go with One the Last Man, and especially that first trade. This the story is so well thought out. It's frightening. And it is very frightening. And it it's not it, it's in kind of a hyper reality, but at the same time it's uh, it's not that different from the world that we live in. And so it seems very real that if some kind of cataclysm like this happened, it's very plausible that the following events would take place. And it was it was terrifying, but at the same time, it was very, very fascinating to read. And I was hooked after the first trade. I'm, I'm, I've read it through in trades, and I'm dying for the, the last one to come out now. But um, it, it's, it's just such a well well developed story and the artwork while being kind of cartoony works for the book i think if it was any more realistic than that this book would be very dark and i think the cartoony look kind of lightens it up because you do deal with a lot of death and a lot of tragedy in this in the whole series and i think the the artwork keeps the tone a bit lighter and it helps just with with the mood of the book um one thing it it is being developed as a as a movie, and I'm really curious to see what the public reaction to it is going to be. If it's going to be really popular or not, be- yeah. because I want I just want to see how that story will will run with the public. I would imagine it'd be pretty, pretty popular. It's a pretty yeah. I mean, it's a pretty interesting idea. Yeah, it, it is. It really is. Well, that's I, I have to give you credit for thinking outside the box with that number one pick. My number one pick is the exact opposite, and my number one pick is The Death and Return of Superman. Oh, yeah. I mean, hands down, if there's... If if I look at my bookshelf, and if I think that there's one iconic book up there, it is hands down The Death and Return of Superman. Well, this works, too, because you kind of came into this story... This was your first DC Universe story. This was. So it has a very, yeah, it's a very special place in my heart because this is how I started reading DC Comics. You know, it's, 
no matter what kind of comic you're reading, it's going to be hard. I mean, comic books go on forever. You have to just dive in and just figure it out. That's what, and it, and it's so easy now with the internet. Like I can't, like when you were a kid, when we were, oh, this is going to be, this is going to age us and date us. But like when you were, when we were kids and you had to figure something out that happened in the past, you had to either ask someone or you had to go find back issues. Oh, digging through back issues at comic stores. I, that was a fond, fun pastime for me. Yeah, it, it's it's so worth it. I mean, because you find what you're looking for, number one, but you also find so much more that you weren't looking for. And, like, you have to work for it. And now you just go to Wikipedia, Google, Marvel, DC.com, whatever, and you can everything's there at your fingertips. You can find out anything that you want to know about comics. Just like that. True. But, um... You know, if there's one superhero who is known above all other, it's, it's Superman. So, what better way to start off someone who wants to know something about comics than with the death of Superman? I mean, first of all, I believe that it's the best Superman story ever told. Um, I agree. And it, I don't know, it, it, it made me want to read DC Comics because... I always thought that not even Superman, but most of the DC heroes were very hokey and just boring. And going through this tale, not even so much the the death of Superman, but the return. The return of Superman has so much heart in that book because it's yes, you're, you're dealing with these four new Supermen and who might not be real, but the whole story is seeing how Metropolis and the world reacts to the greatest superhero ever being gone. Yeah. And, like, what that means to everyone, and these four men who are trying to replace them, what are their motivations for doing it? And it's just, like, it's a very heartwarming tale. It's very it's very heroic, and it's very epic, and by the time he comes back at the very end, like, you're ready to go read more comics, you're ready to sit down and watch the Superman movies, I mean, it's it, you, you it's very inspiring. Yeah, you really root for him by the end of it. Yeah, so that's that's my, my number one pick. That's a really good pick. Okay, well, uh, really quickly, uh, another, another book that was off my top five, but that could easily be sent out as a, a book to give someone who didn't read comics, uh, Alan Moore and Brian Bond's Batman The Killing Joke, the deluxe edition, has come out. Uh, it either came out last week or my comic book store just got it last week. So it, mm-hmm. either that way, I bought it, and uh, I'm a big fan of this tale. And the the perfect way to sell something to me that I already have is slap a hardcover on it. <laughs> because I love the hardcover format. Yeah, I just saw that New Avengers Illuminati came out in hardcover, so that's my... Uh... Uh, I had that in my hand too I was like mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> let's do what to do but uh, I tore I took this home and I tore off the plastic and I was in for such a wonderful surprise and that surprise is uh, the original printing or not not even the original printing but for the, the killing joke for those who don't know it's a, it's essentially a joker origin tale and mm-hmm. it's kind of it's it's very it's almost the definitive Joker tale, and it can also be looked at as it the last Batgirl story or the first Oracle story as well, because this is the book where he basically shoots Barbara Gordon through the spine and cripples her, and then 
terrorizes her father in an effort to drive him insane and prove his point that he's not different from anyone else in the world and that if given the proper amount of tragedy, anyone would snap just like he did. Yeah. And that that is his motivation through the storyline. And what the 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 story was always had, had kind of a technicolor look. It, it was colored back in the late '80s, and I'm sure it was a very revolutionary color scheme back then. But colors, uh, while not, it had a dark look to it, but not really a dark color. And things were, like I said, just kind of hyper-colored or technicolored. And it wasn't bright and cheery by any means, but it wasn't. It what it didn't exactly fit either. And what we got with this is Brian Ballin, the artist of the book, has gone back and colored the whole book himself. Okay. And uh, basically, it's it's much darker. Uh, he plays with the the flashbacks where all the flashback uh, parts of the book happen in black and white with. One, usually one thing in the panel with color that kind of draws your eyes and it's very very good such as uh, the the red hood that the goons give the the pre-joker uh, to wear it's like that's the only colored thing in the panel which was very good um, instances such as uh, the scene with Barbara Gord her her yellow shirt that she's wearing it's just it's become kind of an iconic panel that he leaves at and it's just drawn out a little bit more um, mm-hmm. This, the Batcave, things are much darker and much more in, in line either. And the Joker, terrifying. I mean, it, especially the, the the reveal when he actually becomes the Joker, when he comes out of the acid, basically, and he sees himself for the first time. There's, I mean, the blood dripping from his eyes, the insane look. Uh, there, there's moments in here that are make me more afraid of the Joker than anything else, just by the sheer fact of the way he looks in his eyes in this story. But it's just, it's a fantastic story. It's got a proper element of tragedy in it, just as far as any Batman story should. But it also, it, it's, you probably never look at the Joker quite the same way after reading this book. And by any means, he's, it's not, it doesn't paint him in a terribly sympathetic light, because he does some really awful stuff in this story. But you understand him a little bit more. And the fact that, we got a brand new coloring in this book by the original artist. Uh, the hardback is very nice. There's a very nice introduction by Tim Sale. It's it's beautiful. It's absolutely gorgeous. Nice. Plus, there's a nice little backup uh, story with uh, Brian Bolland in, in the back. It's written and illustrated by Brian Bolland, and it's just a fun little addition. Plus, the, the customary amount of extras where we see him developing his art style and things like that. Oh, that sounds. How much was it? It was uh, seventeen ninety nine. Suggested for mature oh, yeah. readers. That's, that sounds worth it. Yeah, it's it's definitely good, and it'll look wonderful on your bookshelf. Nice. So uh, yeah, that wraps it up for us. That was a that was a big week. So uh, if you got a top five for us of books that you would pass out to friends, family, girlfriends, boyfriends, things like that. Uh, Give us a shout-out. Let us know. You can email it to us at contact at fanboystrikeback.com, or you can go to our website where we post our written reviews each week, as well as comic-related media news and movie trailers and posters and pictures and things like that, www.fanboystrikeback.com. And we also have a link to our forum where you can go on there, start a topic, or respond to a topic that we've already started. We'd love to see interactions on there, and uh, we do our best to get back to you as soon as we can. 
so with that, you can also catch our podcast on iTunes. iTunes, Podcast Alley, any podcatcher out there. Uh, if you like the show, please leave us a review or tell your friends, uh, word of mouth, uh, spread the show. Any help would be much appreciated. And like Eric said, drop by the website, check out our reviews, um, come to the forums. You can post your own stuff, post uh, under us. Uh, we'll probably put up a thread for what stories that you'd like to see or what stories that you give out to family members because we know that there's going to be a lot. Um, and then we got to do a special shout out to Quack Talk. Um, Quack Talk is one of our members on the forum and he does his own show, so you should definitely search and check that out. He does a really good job. Yeah, he does great reviews of books that he reads each week. Yeah, he's he's on top of it. Like, we should be. Yeah, but... he's, he's much more regular than we are. <laughs> it's nice. But no, I mean, that's what podcasting is all about. It's about the community. And so it's not about, you know, you want everyone to succeed. And so he has a really great show, so you need to check that out. Yeah, very friendly, too. Um. Okay, I think that does it for this week. So I'm David. I'm Eric. We'll see you guys later. You look like you're lots of fun. Open up your loving arms. Watch out, here I come. You spin me right round, baby, right round. Like a record, baby, right round, round, round. You spin me right round, baby, right round. Like a record, baby, right round, round, round. You spin me round and round and Good job, lady. You were shaking. Woo! It is going to be fun today. <laughs>